Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this day for your mercy and grace upon our lives. Thank you that there is provision for all things, satisfied and quenched our thirst, our desire for intimacy as you instructed in the word of God, is provided for and, and blows us away at proportions we could never in the natural understand. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that the foundations be laid on uh, our lives this morning so that we can bring about a, a relationship which is pure in essence and enjoyable and satisfying, Lord, uh, to the deepest thirst of man's heart. We pray, Father God, that you give us wisdom and reveal the, uh, the particular truths that are found in your word so that we might live according to them, uh, that you be glorified, that Jesus be the standard of our conduct and our affections in all things, and remove from us the perversion, the twisted, uh, the imitation of lust that tries to be an imposter for the reality of love. We were created to love you above all things, Lord, and each other uh, as ourselves, Lord. Allow us to live that reality. Bless your word in this congregation. Bless your word as we learn and are able to share these truths to our families and friends and our children, Father God, from generation to generation. Prosper us in the authenticity and the genuineness of romance as created by you since the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So uh, coming to the Lord at the age where I was leaving high school, you know that everything is already um, probably established. I, I was kissing uh, my first little girl uh, in first grade. Uh, imagine that, first grade, six years old, and she ran across the playground, and I was like, Mwah! Kissed her right here on the forearm. I got a kiss in there. And so what was all this being birthed, these sentiments towards the other, uh, the opposite sex? And so since we weren't being governed by the word of God, I wasn't having weekly Bible studies with my dad and my grandparents. It was all a mixture of things that started growing, growing, growing in the wrong direction. So it was, uh, that was first grade. Second grade, I, I learned how to write my first love letter. I don't know if you ever did this. Uh, this is how we used to do it before computers, but you would have a, a note sheet of paper, and, and you would write on the paper. This is what I wrote. I'm, I'm telling you, I was into this. Um, and my parents claimed that at five years old, I asked them why only men had one girls if God gave us two arms. You know, we'd have one under each arm. So uh, at first grade, second grade, I would write a little letter, and, and this was my letter, and this is, this is real. Will you marry me? And I had a little box that said yes and a little box that said no. So, um, and, and so that was young. And I'm, I must have scared a lot of people uh, in that vicinity. I, I'm glad I never made it to the newspapers or to the, um, to the, the, uh, to the afternoon news reports. But that, that became to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate girlfriend at 10 years of age, 11 years of age, 12 years of age, 13, 14, 15. And so all these emotions going on every sort. My, my uncles would ask me a question every time they would see me is, how many girlfriends do you have? 
You know, so so the the the, the male peers in our in our lives were uh, were adding uh, fire uh, fuel to the fire. And so by the time I was 13, 14, and 15 years old, uh, I was a whole lot of twistedness in my thoughts and affections. Uh, and it seemed to be that I, I liked a girl on every corner, in every mall, at every store. And so all this stuff is disorderly. And then in the midst of that, I get saved. And when I come through the, the doors of the church, the, the, the church, the preaching was no sex until you get married. And so I said, definitely these people are strange. Definitely this is alien and unrealistic. That's not real. Michael Jackson was doing the moonwalk. He was walking backwards, man. Um, and so you come into church and they said, no sex. That, that was not our standard. That was not our measure. Um, at the age of 15 years old, I'm visiting my older brother in, in Dominican Republic, and his friends decide it would be a fantastic time. Let's take Joaquin and Jules, um, my younger brother, who was even younger than me. Let's go to a brothel. Let's go to a whorehouse. Let's go to a prostitute's gathering. And so me and Jules freaked out, and we were like, Psh! we put the locks down on the doors. They were trying to drag us out. We're like, we're not going with any old lady. Um, so we resisted to the hilt. Uh, thank God the following year, Jesus Christ would come into our family. Thank God that we walked into the church. We didn't know it yet, but uh, the, the, the theme was no sex until marriage. And so I thought these people were real unrealistic. They're weird. It's not normal. It's not our standard. It's not our reality. Um, and so it took a while to understand the concept. And I thank God, by the time I got married, the convictions and the character of Christ was in my heart. And, and I did not have sex with my wife until we uh, went to our honeymoon. We, we dated for five years. We courted while I was going to law school. And uh, I always say, and it's, it might be an embarrassment to Yvette, and it might be an embarrassment to her parents and to my parents, but my, my best and favorite day of my whole life was my honeymoon. I, that was, woo! That was, and then I understood why God kept us pure throughout the relationship. It wasn't that there wasn't chemical attraction. It wasn't she wasn't pretty. It wasn't that we didn't, weren't normal. We were just as... Um, as young as anybody else, but we always ran from being able to mess up in that area to keep our relationship like God wanted to. I didn't understand it until the night of my honeymoon. At that point, I thank God for what he had done in our hearts and established in our relationship. It did a lot of things that we're able, you're able to build on for a strong marriage, a strong relationship, respecting her purity um, and, and that was only Christ in me. It was really supernatural. Um, years later, I would end up going to visit Jules in Santo Domingo. And, and there also, the devil was all over the place. As soon as we jumped on the airplane, I would leave Yvette. I was already married. I would leave Yvette. And at the airplane, there was an older woman to my left and a younger woman to my right. And both of them were hidden until they found out I was a pastor. And then, you know, they started saying, well, I've been abused by men, and my husband left me, and we need help. So when you bring God into the presence of all this twisted thinking, you'll see that people are, are hurt. Bill Gothard described it like a fire that's not kept in the chimney. 
So a fire in the chimney is warm and it has a benefit of being a blessing inside the house. But if you're lighting a fire in the living room without the chimney, in the bedrooms, in the kitchen, and, and this is having sex out of the context of marriage. If you're lighting these fires, you, what is it called? Uh, what's it called when you burn things? An arsonist? You're a pyromaniac. You're an arsonist. You're just, you're just leashing flames on structures that are not meant to flame uh, the fire, to, to see things destroyed. Um, so for that reason, uh, I pressed in a lot. This was my issue. I tell people all the time, I didn't have an alcoholic background. I didn't have a drug addict background. Uh, I, I was pretty much, my only thing was this aspect of relationships gone wrong and twisted and sentiments that were not uh, according to the word of the Lord. Um, we, we read a lot of the Bible verses. One of the, happens to be a favorite Bible verse, just like all the Bible verses I read. But Genesis 2.25, where the Bible says God created man and woman and both of them were naked. That, that concept right there is fascinating. Both of them without clothes, without coverings. And the man and the woman were not ashamed. There, there, was a, there was a presence where they, they didn't have the coverings of clothes, and they, they had a sentiment that, uh, that there wasn't anything going on that was wrong. There was no guilt attached to their relationship. There is no walking in appropriate manner. The transparency that, that God gives us when we're doing relationship right allows us to enjoy the male and the female uh, existence. In, in fact, let's say it like this, and it has to be said that uh, the attraction, the relationship, and the intimacy between a man and a woman was created by God. So don't put the devil in, in that slot to, to say, oh, that, that, why are we talking about this? Well, because God established it from the beginning when he created man and woman. They were without covering, without clothing, and they were not feeling bad about it. They, there was no issue. And so in God's design, it's very powerful that we celebrate. I love to see a young woman like a young man. I love to see a young man have an attraction towards a young woman. Some people think, oh, pastor doesn't like that. I love to see it. But I love it for it to grow in the direction of delivery and not a fraud. Don't, don't come saying you like a girl and then you say you like her sister too. Because you're a clown. And that's what I'm against. I want the sentiments to be a direction of maturity where you continue to speak what you deliver and you deliver what you speak and you're not pulling a fast one on anybody the bible says let's not defraud let's not deceive one another like that um, i was impressed that yoah's young uh, daughter and and uh, judah like each other they've been dating for the last six months uh, it's really impressive you know i, I really how old is geo now no, it's Judah, right? How old is Judah? Has he asked you for permission? <clears throat> okay. Uh, this gentleman, Judah is how old? I mean, yeah, Judah is how old? Three years old. Liana, Liliana is how old? Three. Okay, so three and three. They've been dating for six months. I have no problem if he continues to move in that direction. Now, when I see him in a photo with another little girl, I'm going to kick him out of the church. And his parents. 
so I don't have issues. I, I, I know that uh, Kenny Hanau's son has been dating uh, Enrique Rigueda's daughter for the last five years. How old is David? Nine and five, so since he was four too, so it's more or less the same. Um, but so I'm all into this 100%. I just wanted to be progressive, and I wanted to mature, and I wanted to give forth fruit. Uh, and, and when you have guys that, you know, one guy came into church, he says, Pastor, I, I actually like four women. You know, I, I, one of the girls, I'm, I'm checking out four girls. I'm like, brother, you, you, you're, you're a mess. Um, so in this regards, naked and unashamed is, is the established order. And, and in that relationship, coming to, <clears throat> coming to be able to care for uh, that person that you have sentiments in, is Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8. We have a description of this in the Bible. It says, when I passed, when I was walking along and I saw you, it was a season of love. Ezekiel, that's Ezra, 16, 8. Ezekiel 16, 8. It says, when I passed by you again, I looked upon you. Indeed, it was the season it was a time of love. Uh, it's super important that you not awaken these sentiments before its season. We see in the Songs of Solomon many times the man says, don't stir that up. It's not the time. It's not the season. I'm, I'm focused. I'm, I'm, I'm headed in a direction. We don't want to aliven that sentiment. So this man says he had passed by. It was the time of love. So his reaction to the sentiment is to spread his wings and to cover her nakedness. To be able to, to being a surrounding protection. Uh, this is very important because an immature person will want to strip the woman of her clothes before season. Want to get into her intimacy before uh, he has authority and in that season. Put that verse back up there, please. Um, so to, to come to a woman and to cover her nakedness until the time that you enter into the covenant of marriage, then she belongs to you and you became mine. So here we see the whole sentiment, the covering, the covenant, the possession. And, and an immature person does that thing opposite and all around and has no standard of learning and knowing these things. But there's actual progression to be able to offer. Some guys says, you know, I'm super attracted to you. You have nothing to cover me with. You haven't studied. You don't work. You don't live. You don't have provision. What are you going to cover me? You're going to strip me. You're going to expose me. Um, one of my friends who's a pastor, his son got married with a beautiful woman, and five years into the marriage, they have a daughter. Five years into the marriage, they don't have a house they don't have food. They don't have clothes. They're just wandering about. How many agree with me that that woman is super upset at that man? Super angry. She doesn't want to be anywhere near him. And she despises even the church. She despises the congregation. Because it's a fraud. It's a fraud. A man needs to have provision to cover for his wife. I was just telling a young man this morning in my office, I was terrified to get married to Yvette to not be able to provide for her. I was terrified. So I, I, I made it my mandate in life. I'm going to finish law school. 
And as soon as I graduate, now I'll have a living. I'll be able to feed her. How many know that a hungry woman is an angry woman? <laughs> Absolutely. And so um, to be able to provide is essential to the love relationship. We all know the old song, your love gives me the thrills, but your love doesn't pay my bills. So, and, and we're living in a time where men have nothing to offer and women are saying, come here, come here, baby, I'll cover you. And that's totally not biblical. And it's, it's totally down the road going to be issues. Um, we say that um, Lisa Marie Presley, Elvis Presley's daughter, you, we all know Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Um, Lisa Marie Presley married Michael Jackson. Well, he's a black fellow, African-American, the king of pop. Why would the daughter of the king of rock and roll marry the king of pop? Because she wanted somebody with greater affluence, with greater uh, recognition. See, she was like, she was standing out there as the daughter of the king. So she found somebody of greater stature and covering to come and make her feel like a woman. A woman wants to be covered. Uh, I, I think that Caracol said it good in his workshop that our broad shoulders have been broader so that we can put them around our wife and she feel protected and she feel provided for. So this is the standard of God and this is how God loves as he passes by us. He spreads his wing over us to cover our nakedness. Uh, the, the young men that are stripping girls of their nakedness and you see how women are dressing now. They don't have any fathers that are covering them. Usually a father will cover a daughter. And when a, a young girl doesn't allow herself to be covered and she's going like this and she's, she's exposing her breast and that's her attraction. She's lowering her skirt and that's her attraction. I told my sons from a very young age, they must have been 8, 9, and 10. I said, when you're walking down the mall and you see a girl that's showing her breast, run for your life. Run from that woman. She's going to be a problem. She, she's, she's outside of the covering. So this is what the Bible establishes in love. It's a place of protection. It's a place of covering. I, I want to say that the opposite of the romance in the land of Beulah is lust. And a lot of the lust that has been thrown in our lives comes to distort our affections and our relationship. It's the imitation to what the love provides. Lust takes and it doesn't give. Love strips you of dignity and purity as opposed to love which covers. And so you see this in the life of Samson and Delilah. There's examples all throughout the Bible. What was happening in her life was she was exposing her husband's weakness. She was taking advantage. She tried to find where it was so she could manipulate uh, to disengage and diminish his character. And you could read the book uh, Judges chapter 16, and you can see all the manipulations that she did in her husband's life to diminish his strength because a woman was created in that relationship, and it was said in our, our marriage conference to encourage the man and to be, I think Chavelin said that, that she wants to be the number one cheerleader in her husband's life. She wants to root him on to the finish line and for him to be a champion, and in that regards, it's a blessing. In the relationship. In 2 Samuel 11, we have David is, uh, is looking across town and he sees the, the lust attraction of a woman who's bathing. And uh, he calls her over and asks, who are you? And, and she says, I'm Uriah's wife, the Hittite. Uh, I belong to another. 
Uh, I've, I've had some funny fellows come through my lifetime. Um, a lot of men have come through the church. One man in particular was here for 10 years, and we were trying to figure out if he would ever get married. Will he get married? Will he get married? He's a single guy. Will he get married? And finally, he came to my office one day, and he says, Pastor, I finally found the one. And I was like, hallelujah. I was like, praise God. He finally found the one. And he says, but there's one little problem. She's married. I was like, you're a psychopath. <laughs> you're a psycho. You're a nut. How is the one belong to another? And so all the love songs go around saying that. How could this be so wrong, feel so right? And so it, the mix is in there. Uh, one day driving on the street listening to Chicago's greatest hits and having my woes as a single man, I said, okay, I'm going to call it quits and I'm going to kill myself. See, all that is lust. Lust produces death. It strips you. Uh, there's no, and, and I, I, I ejected that CD and threw it out, uh, understanding that I was fueling lust in my life, and, and we're not to do that. Uh, love is totally different. It comes from a different perspective. Uh, in the life of da David, he was, uh, all the destruction that that attraction led to his life was, was horrible. Um, there, love is seen in 2 Samuel 13. It is so vibrant and passionate. A brother decides that his affections are placed on a sister. It's called incest. It's out of order. It's not healthy. And so there it is that this man begins to manipulate, and he acts like he's sick. 2 Samuel 13, uh, verse 12. 2 Samuel 13, 12. He says to his uh, friends, tell her to bring me some food. So when she comes into the room with food, I'm going to rape her. I'm going to jump on her. I'm going to have sex with her. But she, in the midst of doing this, she answers her brother, no, brother, do not force me in such a thing. Uh, this should not be done amongst God's people in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. Now, the passions that lead you to denigrate your relationship into sexual intimacy outside of marriage brings a horrible sentiment. Uh, so many people across the years in high school, they usually have sex, get pregnant, thinking they could capture the person they get pregnant. I'm going to force uh, a child to come into existence. Uh, these people have never been able to enjoy what they force. Verse 13 says, that in that regards... Uh, and where could I take my shame? If, if you strip me of the dignity of marriage, of, ha of, of honoring God, of honoring my parents, of honoring the church, of honoring the people of God, of setting the example, if you strip, what, what's going to be my testimony? You would be like one of the fools in Israel. That, that was, you know, you, you live with the stigma of having done it wrong, of having fallen in a... Uh, a pre-marriage pregnancy. Uh, sometimes they're called unwanted pregnancy. How, how the heck could you have a child and not want it? But that's what lust produces. 
And, and so you see, if we were to depict all the illustrations of sex out of marriage and the genital warts and the sexual diseases and all this stuff, as a lawyer, many uh, couples would come to my office and say, you know something, I'm carrying something that is so hurtful, so private, nobody knows about it, but it was in my years at college that I, I didn't... I didn't honor God. I didn't walk like the Bible says. So they bring all these things into their marriage relationship. I thank God that while I didn't understand these things, God delivered me what would have happened if I, would have, uh, if I wouldn't have not got saved at 16. He delivered me of a ton of the embarrassing and crazy things that the devil has for those that walk contrary to God. Now, therefore, please speak to my dad. Because if you speak to my dad, he'll let you get married to me, and we'll do it the right way. If, if you go and do the things right, they come out right. And, and that is a blessing to establish that order. Um, no need to elope, no need to hide, no need to, to shake loose. Let's, let's, since these affections are here, since you're attracted to me, let's do it the right way. Verse 14, uh, he didn't listen to her. He would not heed her voice. And since he was stronger than she, he forced her and he lay with her. He had intimacy with her. And so the, you, you see that, that his desire is greater than his character. Uh, he has no character. He's being led by his sentiment, by his feelings. And in the instant of consummating, uh, verse 15 says that at the instant... Amon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And uh, he got up and he said to her, get out of my presence. I'm no longer attracted to you. You, you, you know, the, whatever the, the fruit of this sentiment, in one instance, if you feed lust in one second, it's gone and the relationship is gone, and there is no follow-up in that regards. Um, and so this being in the Bible, it, it should be read at every middle school and high school. It should be prolifically known. It should be aware that sometimes the sentiment of attraction in one second bah, is out the door because you fed lust. And, and when you feed lust, you got to be careful. If, if you're a young girl and you're attracting a young man because you're showing him some exterior, um, um, some interior goods, you're going to attract that. He's going to be wherever that stuff shows up. That's the direction he's going to go in. So make sure that your dress is down to your ankles. Don't show him anything. And uh, keep the private goods for him at the day that's appropriate in time. Uh, and and in, the, in that regards, um, I'm exaggerating, of course, but, but I can tell you that there, if you feed purity and holiness, you will enjoy your marriage intimacy whoosh, uh, perpetually. And you're not going to be feeding uh, the devil's fodder, what the devil feeds fools. Here, uh, one of the favorite verses I had growing up, and, and obviously... Um, I was glad to see this in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. Let your fountain be blessed. Let the person that is refreshing you be the place of your blessing. Um, did I say 18? Yeah. Let your fountain be blessed and enjoy. Let the wife of your youth be the source. Wife, 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 not girlfriend. Your wife of your youth be your rejoicing. 
this person that qualifies to be kept in that relationship. Verse 19, let her breasts satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Uh, this shows that the Bible is, is super solid in allowing you to enjoy intimacy in the relationship of marriage with your wife and at degrees that far surpass uh, any other direction and, and attraction. And so we told the men a couple of weeks ago on Monday night, when you allow your wife to be the source of your refreshing, no other woman in the world can attract you. There is no sentiment in any other direction. I live with the most incredible woman in the entire world. And the way that God made her is a, a continual refreshing. So you'll see some men that are walking in lust. They'll tell their wives, listen, I want you to get bigger breasts. Or I want you to have a bigger butt. Or I want you to be, uh, have blonde hair when you have brown hair. Or curly hair when you have straight hair. That's a clown. A, a, a guy's going to love you the way God made you. And in every season, regardless of what you are, I know that Pastor Oscar with Isabel, she would dye her hair, dye her hair, dye her hair, just all, uh, you know, all the, the colors. But you see that, that she let her hair go the way this season of her life, God has allowed it to happen. And she's beautiful. She's his reina. And, and there is no sentiment of having to go wear a mask or having uh, to dye your hair purple and green and yellow. And, and these are not the things that attract. Uh, the being raptured with her love is deeper than whatever uh, th that poor girl that she wants to be Barbie now. And she's going around getting like 150,000 operations. And she wants to be who she's not. Uh, that, that is not what God has created and established. Here it is in Genesis 29, 20. We've got to finish real quickly. Um, one of the men was told you can't have her until you work for seven years. In, in my case, it was nine years because uh, I had to finish law school. I had to finish a season of training, a season of preparation, a season of waiting. And, and so the sentiment of allowing things to wait... It allows things to, to, to cook and to have its, its juices right and its, its, it form its character. To do things fast, it's, it's a fly-by-night, a fast fix, a fast uh, setup. Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they, because his love for her was real, it was just days. For him, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is horrible. No. He paid every single day of the seven years. And then the father tricks him and gives him the other daughter and asks for seven more years. So he actually worked for her for 14 years. Why? Because he loved that woman. And, and, if, and if, you know, your father-in-law tells you you have to wait 21 years, 7, 14, 21, you said, look, I'll wait a lifetime. I'm in love with this woman and no one's going to strip me of the price I will pay for her. The higher price you pay, the more quality you get. The lower price you get, you can just go down to the corner, whistle, and whoever comes, that's yours. And you get what you pay for. Uh, you pay nothing, you got nothing. Um, I, I, I was with Yvette for five years before we got married. I can tell you every single day of those five years works something important in our lives. I was able to see her be faithful at her church. She served her pastor. She was on the choir. She was in the youth group. She was at school. She, was a, she, she did everything right in her season. So when I got married, I married a champion. 
I didn't marry a fly-by-night. I married a woman that was solid. Uh, she was 22. I was 27. And so I had just finished law school, and, and it was a glorious time. We honored our parents. We honored our church. We honored our children. We honored our family. We, we were able to walk high, and we had to be wise in that regards. Um, so you read through the book of Songs of Solomon, and you'll see all the dynamics. Um, Sol Songs of Solomon 8, 7. Doesn't matter the adversity that we go through. I, I went into a room where a young 15-year-old girl was running away from, with her boyfriend. And I walked in there. I said, look, you guys don't know me. I don't know you. But if you walk away and don't fight this battle when you get married and there's opposition, you're going to run away too. If, if opposition is what causes you to run and not wait and suffer the time and the, the stringent aspects. Uh, so many waters cannot quench love. But, but if your boyfriend or husband is going around saying, well, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to go get it somewhere else. That's not love. That's lust. He's wanting you to feed an aspect that is not quenchable. Uh, he's not going to find who quenches that lust. The Bible says that the lust is never quenched. Nor can the floods drown genuine love. The harder it is to go through these things, um, if a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. How much, how much would, uh, could I pay you off to not love? And he says, this, this, this is priceless. I'm not walking in that direction. So here it is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. What happens in the context of love is that there's a covering that lasts forever. Love covers a multitude of faults. I can tell you, easy, on a daily basis, I might upset. Like I was, I was talking, I was listening to William. I says, man, you're dancing everywhere. That means you're messing up everywhere. Um, but the truth be said, that I mess up more than 10, 15, 20 times daily. Now, how does this poor woman put up with me? Because it's love. There's a sentiment to not hold me to a standard of if you do this one more time, that's it. This will be the last time. No, there, there's something that's flowing in the heart of my wife and in the, wife of in the hearts of many wives that are constantly overlooking the multitude of our sin. They're, they're not, and I see other wives, they're always you know, taking notes and I saw you did this and, and now if next time you do this and a husband, I saw that and they're, they're keeping tabs uh, of what's going on in the relationship and that must be uh, torture. But the truth of the matter is that love has an aspect to cover. Love will cover a multitude of sins, multitude of faults, multitude of dropping the ball. Uh, if you read with me Proverbs 17, 9, he who covers a matter seeks love. The person that's not bringing up the issue, because if you're constantly bringing up the issue, you are seeking to separate. Uh, love is constantly going out. Whoever covers a matter is seeking love. I'm overlooking that. I'm really not seeing that in your life. I'm not holding you accountable to that. I'm just, uh, my affection for you is so that, that you can mess up a thousand times. And, and that actually happens to be the key unity amongst true friends. They're, they're not sitting there and nitpicking and, and finding out and, and trying to, to no, they're, they're overlooking a matter because what's flowing is greater than the disaster that, that the person is. But whoever repeats a matter who's constantly bringing back issues uh, will 
ultimately and eventually separate even the best of friends. When you stir up that scenario, Proverbs 10, 12 says that the opposite is true. If love covers, then hatred stirs up. Hatred stirs up strife. It's always contention. It's always bringing up controversy. It's always, uh, but love covers all sins. It's always constantly a covering of whatever is going on. So there's an aspect of love here that talks about not sentiment, but actual obedience. When Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you actually have sentiments in this direction, you're actually going to keep the right order. And if you're not keeping the right order, don't call it love. I have, you know, people across time have told me, oh, you don't know how much I love the church. No, you don't. You don't love the church because your behavior doesn't line up to the conduct of what somebody who loves would walk in. So Jesus said it outright. Love is not a matter of feeling and sentiment and affections. It's a matter of conduct, behavior. John 14, 23, he follows up. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He will keep my commandments. Love is connected to obedience. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. The dwelling place of keeping order. Um, you know, when, when, when Paul brings in the teaching to a corrupt, you guys have to go back to these times. This, this was the actual times, biblical times. People used to go into temples of the gods of fertility. And have sex with those women that were in that temple as a manner of worship. You used to come into church and says, I'm here to worship the God of fertility. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, just give me three girls and I'll go in the back room and I'll present my offering. I'm going to have sex with them. I'm going to engage in these affairs. Well, in the midst of this twisted society, which that's why in the modern society people freak out at the standards of holiness and purity, here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God. This is God's desire for you, your sanctification, for you to be kept apart, that you should stay away from doing things sexually wrong because they attach a huge amount of uh, impact in the lives of the person that you're forming a relationship with. Your sanctification, abstain from falling I would tell Yvette sometimes as we were dating, I said, I'm getting out of here. She's like, why? Because I don't want to mess up. I got to get, get going. Why? Because I got the fire burning right now. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to end up messing up our relationship for a moment of uh, uh, sexual immorality, doing things that are wrong. So this is God's desire. And he's speaking it to a generation of people you know, we have Valentine's coming up. The worst thing you could do on Valentine's is have sex with your girlfriend. To have stir up emotions of romance that are not appropriate. You know, the, the, the deeper manners of kissing, the flaring up of, of emotions of what they call making out, French kissing, all this stuff that stirs up emotions. You curse your relationship to lead it down in that direction. You curse your girlfriend. You, you provoke your boyfriend in a manner that's not appropriate, that it's not time. So he was trying to tell this to these people, and he says like this, verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel 
in sanctification and honor. You have a body, it's revving up its, its cylinders, it's on all, make sure that that thing is not peeling out its wheels until you say, I do. Until you have the most incredible night of your life when you go off to consume, consummate your, your joining together with your, with your wife, with your husband. And he says, make sure that you keep this order and that you control this vessel in honor. Don't dishonor. Don't, don't go places where it's not time, where you have not permission. Don't put hands under the clothing. Keep all that stuff above board. Verse 5, why? So that you not walk like the Gentiles in the passion of lust. You're not setting these things on fire. You're not raging. You're not, you're not throwing, stoking the flames and throwing uh, lighter fluid on this. These people do this because they don't know God. They don't know any better. And so the contrast of how the world does it and how we do it are two worlds. Guess who remains? Guess who is satisfied? Guess who is full of joy? Right here, my friend. Right here, long term, 25 years into our marriage. Yvette corrected me last night. She says it's 24. I said, all right. For me, it's only been a couple of days. I'm enjoying this thing. Why? Because the foundations are laid right. Because we're doing things in the honor of God. Because we had the roadmap of the word of God. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for wisdom to not be a fool in Israel. Not the passions of lust. Let's not stir that up like the Gentiles who do not know God. So you'll see the endless amount of people in this world that this week, because it's Valentine's, they're going to stoke the flames. They're going to stir. The miniskirts are all the way up here. The verse of the girdles all the way up there. And everything is the, And guess what? They're not going to enjoy because lust never gets to enjoy. Lust never establishes the foundation of longevity. Not like the Gentiles who move in the passions. Verse 6, no one should take advantage. No one should put a carrot in front of the donkey's nose and say, nope, you can't have it. Don't defraud. No one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we are forewarned and you are testified. And God set, sits as a referee in these matters. He sets and establishes the, the consequences of these issues. And you'll see these people never, never enjoy their relationship. Verse 7, why? For God did not call us to pornography. God did not call us to uncleanness. The pornographic industry is to uncover the female, and now uh, they say that, that, that more females are into pornography than men as of lately. Just the stripping of the clothes and the coverings to the garments and, and seeing uncleanness. But God has called us to holiness, not to muddle the waters, not to stir the pot. He called us. And, and here it is, ultimately, verse 8 says, Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject Pastor Joaquin. He who rejects this does not reject a man. You're not, you're, not, you're not impressing me by not keeping this order. You're rejecting God, who's given us your holy, his Holy Spirit. He's establishing these things in our lives for us to be champions. And so we should live in them in a manner that we enjoy. The description of love in the Bible in Ephesians 
chapter 3. It describes love in this manner. He says, if you're going to really get to know God, you're going to have to go to the depth of measuring his love. And, and this happens to be one of my favorite verses, too, uh, where, where he says, if you're able to walk. I think it's Ezekiel, I mean, Ephesians. Let me get it for you real quick. 319. Let's go to 18. 318 may be that we might be able to comprehend with every single believer. This is it. Ready? With length, depth, and height. You want to know the full expression of real love. What are the thoughts that are governed in love? As opposed to, like William says, when lust is moving, you just want to win the argument, want to be right. Love is, is trying to establish the, the reality of God Opening the door instead of slamming it, uh, dancing instead of arguing, all the stuff that, that, that love comes to describe. And it says, try and grab a hold with all those that are believers. I, I know I'm not the only one that wanted a blessed marriage. I know that uh, Claudio and Ashley, man, you guys, awesome. And, and Francis and Javier were young people in our youth group, and Kenny and Jenny and Joey and Suleika, Jose and Ceci, all these young people that came and they were single, and uh, they wanted to know how to do it right. And they did it right. And guess what? They are flaring at the heights of the expression of joy, peace, righteousness. Nobody is to steal your joy. Nobody is to take your peace. Nobody is to strip you of the foundations that God has laid. So when you are able to comprehend, and we've only scratched the surface this morning. We've only scratched the surface and prepping you to understand what does romance look like in the land of beauty. Let's stand this morning and thank God for what we've heard. And ask him to continue to speak into our lives so that we might not only hear these things, but that we might do them. Because I guarantee you, in our youth group, there used to be a young boy. He's at the age of 10. He would wake up at night, and he started looking at pornography on cable at 3 o'clock in the morning when his parents were sleeping. And he was exposing himself to pornography from the age of 10 to the age of 19. At 19, he was in our youth group. And he could not, listen to me well, he could not enjoy a relationship with any woman because every time he saw a woman, he saw the twistedness, distortedness of all the images that pornography twists and distorts the relationship of a marriage bed. The Bible says it's to be kept holy and pure. We're not to be engaged in pornography. It doesn't help our union. It doesn't add spice to the night. It's straight from the pit of hell. It's twisted. It strips you. It will diminish your enjoyment. One man had to open up a centerfold pornographic magazine next to his wife at night in their marriage bed to enjoy his wife. Who did that? The devil. The devil begins to destroy, diminish, strip you of what God intended it to be pure and holy and, and very good. We have not been able to understand these depths because they're not, they're not revealed but by the spirit and the word of God. And so this whole world is stripped in knowing how to navigate life in a manner where you make that union with the opposite sex to honor her. To love her as Christ loves and honors the bride. Father, this morning we thank you for your word that pretty much prepares for the coming weeks as in the 
secular world, people are doing things twistedly and moving with desires of taking rather than giving. And they're uncovering as opposed to covering. Allow us to walk like you walked. You covered us, you washed us, you cleansed us. And your love is genuine and authentic and has joined us as the deepest part of who we are to embrace us and to offer us a marriage covenant, an eternal union. Father, we pray that your blessing would be upon this church. You said that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed. Behold, everything is made new. Whatever our past was when we were not looking into your word and not living for your glory, we ask you to forgive us, to wash us, and to make us anew. We pray that the men would rise in character and that they would be able to press on and to serve and to love and to cover until the day of the marriage union and the marriage bed, Father God. We give you thanks for these truths that set us free. Wash us with the blood of Jesus. Strengthen us and keep us in your grace that we might live for your glory forever and ever. And allow this to be our joy that we have kept the commandments of the Lord. And because we know how to love God, we know how to love one another. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.